When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Two very experienced panellists this morning. We have Guy Havelt and Mark Watson uh, with us this morning. And uh, Guy Havelt, uh, news coming through yesterday that the All Blacks uh, camp is uh, COVID-ridden to a certain degree. And it's Joe Smith to the rescue a little bit earlier than we thought. Wasn't going to be involved uh, until after Ireland, but now very much in the mix, Guy. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Nice to chat with you again. Uh, I, I, I love this. Uh, take the COVID side of things away. Never like anyone getting sick. Uh, but take that away from things, and I think it's fantastic that uh, Schmidt's going to be involved in this in this series. I always found it a little bit perplexing that he was employed by New Zealand Rugby but wasn't going to be involved with the All Blacks until um, you know a little bit later down the track. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think this is intriguing. Look, I, I have struggled with rugby for the best part of probably two or three years now, found it a little bit boring. But in the last few weeks, really, in the Super Rugby playoffs and, and even in the latter stages of the regular season, uh, it started to come alive. So I'm actually quite excited by this series and interested to see what the All Blacks are going to be able to put out there. Uh, obviously, this is not ideal for them in terms of their preparations, but... Uh, they still have, well, the core or the majority of their players available to them. So, uh, hoping they can put out a, a decent performance on Saturday night. So, Mark, how do you think this is working at the moment for the All Blacks? I mean, is Joe just carrying out Ian Foster's uh, orders here? Or is, is Joe going to uh, be allowed to have a bit of a, no, I won't say carte blanche over the whole thing uh, in his early introduction here? How, how do you envisage this is actually happening? When he was initially sort of brought into the all-black environment, I felt it was a bit of a public relations move, a little bit like John Hart back in the late 1990s, sort of making Todd Black out a captain. Um, I think there's that much pressure on him, and a lot of people felt that Joe Schmidt, uh, maybe along with Scott Roberts and Jason Ryan, are probably the best coaching outfit in New Zealand. Look, if he's going to come in, we should be tapping into everything he knows about the Irish freedom power and completely. They cannot afford to lose this series. Um, I think their jobs are on the line, not that I think New Zealand rugby have got the guts to sack the likes of Ian Fox if they were to, if they were to lose the series, but absolutely vital, absolutely um, crucial and I'd like to think that they don't that they've got you know, not too much pride to actually say look, we need your help here Joe um, so look, I mean you know, he, he, the reason why I think Ireland uh, have become the monster that they've become so for so long in the wilderness and Yes, guys like Farrell and stuff now in charge, but I think it was Joe Schmidt that sort of put the building blocks in place. Um, just, just sort of on the whole COVID thing, I think it's, you know a lot of people a really, really big loss for the All Blacks having David Harvili and Jack Goodyear out. I actually think that's your midfield combination. People talked a lot about David Harvili and how well he played in that Super Rugby final, but I think the reason he played so well is because he had Goodyear outside of him, and I think it's a little bit like. 
Manonu. Manonu always played his best when he had Conrad Smith outside of him and Dan Carter on his inside. A lot of people talking about Rico Albani being the all-black centre, but I think he was found out on that final. Um, so I reckon that's a really, really big loss for the All Blacks, and therefore I think here Joe Schmidt's um, input is crucial. Has he got enough time to really make an influence? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, a very, very bright guy. A guy who, as I said, along with Scott Robertson, along with Jason Ryan, they should be the All Black coaching setup, in my opinion, anyway. Is that a, Interesting is that a, neutral, that... Uh, is that a neutral opinion, Mark, uh, about um, Jack Goodhue, or is that a Mount Albert Grammar opinion coming out there? <laughs> well, I think you've. Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm a big Jack Goodhue fan. Yes, he is a, a good man, Alex <laughs> boy, but as is Caleb Clark. I mean, Alex Hodgman should be in there as well. But putting that to one side, in all seriousness, I think we <laughs> lacked Goodhue last year. I think he knows how to organise a defence. We look sometimes at the genius and the brilliance, but sometimes I think there's a lot of intangibles that go with certain players. And um, yeah, I think you saw a major step up defensively when Goodhue even came back into the Crusaders. Uh, let's not underestimate what he does bring to an all-black side. And I, I, I genuinely felt they... I think they would have picked him this week at Centre, even though all of the pundits are saying Rico won. Interesting. OK, well, they can't. Uh, by the sounds of things, they can't have him. So, Guy Havelt, does that mean uh, Roger Tovasashek makes his debut at some point in this first Test match? Um, I'm not sure, Smithy. I'm not sure. Um, it is a possibility maybe he would come off the bench, but I doubt it. I think they might try and just keep that powder dry a little bit. I, I think this is more um, not an educational exercise. Look, I, I think in a year's time, Roger Tuivasa-Shek will be the starting midfielder, one of the starting midfielders for the All Blacks um, at the World Cup. I think we've seen how quickly he's come on already in rugby union in a very, very little amount of time. And so in a year's time, I think he'll be an absolutely dynamic rugby union player. And I can't wait for that time. I don't think that's quite the time yet, obviously. Um, but I think he's there for a little bit of experience, I suppose, to, to just try and, and improve his skills in a lot of ways uh, and to get him ready for the World Cup. So I'm not sure we'll see him this weekend. I don't know how much of him we, we will see throughout this series, um, but I think certainly in, in months and, and a year to come, uh, he will be a, a, an absolute force in that all-black side and, and one, of the, one of the players that, that they will have first on their team sheet, that's how good I think he'll be and that's how quickly I think he's able to learn, so yeah, maybe not now, but give it a little bit of time and, and I think he'll be there Mark Watson, one of the in- yeah, well it's a, it's, I think he's got a lot of skills to develop to be perfectly honest, to be up to speed to playing international rugby all of a sudden um, he was another one that was, uh, what, he subbed in the 48th minute of the grand final so uh, the Mario Blacks uh, is an, all, an interesting one for me. It just seems that they get sort of a little bit wider in terms of eligibility all the time. In fact, it's almost like a, a backup All Black side that uh, has a crack at Ireland tomorrow night. Uh, Mark, what are you making in those Maori games? Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, it's a great tradition, isn't it? Um, it's one of those things that's just sort of organically grown over the years. I, I'm like you, sometimes I, I look at some players and I, I'd like to know where the bloodline do run in regards to, uh, you know, their iwi and their Māori, but look, you'd like to think that they're in there for the right reasons and they are incredibly proud of their Māori heritage. Look, really big opportunity, isn't it, for Cullen Grace to sort of back up what he did in that Super Rugby final. Um, you know, when you run through it, opportunities for the likes of Ollie Norris, Terrell Lomax, um, to see if they can make a bit of a start. It's interesting that both Brad Weber and TJ Perrineau have been given the your captaincy and both trying to work their way back into the All Blacks. 
I'm just not sure that's going to happen unless there's injury. Um, you know, it's all about ruck speed now, isn't it? For the All Blacks, they want good ruck speed, and I think Finlay Christie offers that. Clearly, Aaron Smith is the incumbent. We know what he can do, and I think Fakatava just brings a different dynamic to his game in terms of his physicality, what he offers in and around the fringes. But yeah, look, I'm also interested to see players like Sean Stevenson. I think he, he, he's one of the most underrated footballers here in New Zealand. Um, and, and also, too, the likes of Josh Iwani at first five. We haven't seen a lot of Iwani at first five. And, you know, mm. we've only got to have a couple of injuries in the team jersey. And suddenly we start to look a bit short in that area. And he's been sort of being used more as a utility for the Chiefs. So, look, yes, it, it is basically an opportunity for some of these fringe players to have their say. But you go inside the Māori camp, you know, because they'll want to win this. And, you know, with Māori teams, if they get their nose in front, they're going to be very, very hard to beat. They sure are. Absolutely sure are. That legendary game that uh, John O'Gibbs led against the Lions way back, uh, that was something absolutely special, lives in my mind. In terms of rugby memories, it is 10.31 here on SENZ. Uh, we're going to pop across to uh, the newsroom now and uh, hear from uh, Aroa. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the cricket. You know why? Because we've got to. We just simply have to. We can't avoid it. It's 10.31. The panel. We're with Guy Hafelt uh, this morning and uh, Mark Watson, two very experienced uh, panellists for us. And um, here's one for you, Guy. I've just had a, a tweet in from uh, Sammy H to say that Will Jordan hasn't been spotted amongst the All Black group this morning. And he hears uh, through the grapevine that he has tested positive for COVID, hot off the press, uh, having symptoms in the past few days. So maybe uh, Guy Hafelt no Will Jordan either. Well, that's a massive blow. I regard Will Jordan as arguably the best player in New Zealand. Uh, the guy can break a game open from anywhere, from any sort of situation. Uh, he's got all the skills for an outside back that you need in any player. Uh, he's an incredibly bright player when it comes to his rugby knowledge. Uh, that's a huge blow for the All Blacks. Uh, another one. Uh, let's just hope that COVID hasn't spread any further throughout the squad. Otherwise, it could be in a bit of strife. Yeah, it's a bit hard to imagine that it hasn't. I think, uh, unlike the cricketers and some other teams, yeah. I think they still share rooms, the All Blacks, so it would be pretty hard to imagine that it, that it hasn't. Um, let's just cross our fingers uh, on that one, Mark Watson. What we can no longer cross our fingers and toes on, though, is the cricket. 3-0, that's a drubbing. Uh, there we were at, um, at the end of the third day on each occasion with a, a starter's chance of winning and taken away from us very, very quickly. Very disappointing 3-0 loss disappointing. We've spoken a little bit about the Smithy over the last month. Look, I still think a lot of it comes down to just the lack of good quality preparation. I just don't think we give ourselves enough time in the lead up to major test series overseas in terms of our batsmen and stuff and the nets and doing what's required to get themselves into um, the best condition and provide themselves the best opportunity. I mean, you take Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell out of the um, out of it, I think collectively those two players scored more runs across the than our entire top order, and you wonder where we would have been if, you know, if you were if you ran through this and Henry Nichols hadn't missed that first test through COVID, possibly Daryl Mitchell might not have played at all. We wouldn't have seen the genius of Mitchell. I, I mean, cricket's a funny one, isn't it? You can lose a series collectively, but there's always these individual milestones you can celebrate. And you know, Daryl Mitchell, um, you know, in the history of teams touring England. No player has scored more runs in three tests or less against the English ever since England have been playing test cricket. That is just a remarkable statistic. Um, what a wonderful series for him. And what a, a really coming of age also for Tom Blundell, a great partnership there. But, 
yeah, you do start to question the likes of the Henry Nichols and the Tom Lathans. Are they just bully boys at home against sort of, you know, reasonably average um, opposition at times? But the other thing too is I think I think Gary said it's probably time to go. Seems to be too conservative. Why we don't play Ajax Patel every single test is beyond me. You know, when was the last time the Australians dropped Nathan Lyon? Um, you know, you run through this England team and you you, you you look at the fact that Jack Leach. I don't think anybody rates him internationally, but here he takes ten wickets in this match. What do we do? Oh, let's just go with some good old conservative middle class pace bowling and let's just sort of be one quite one dimensional in our attack and. You know, I, I, I think we don't have cricket doesn't have the legacy the All Blacks have, so I think New Zealanders are actually quite accepting of defeat. But what we just want to see is a little bit more intent, just us playing a little bit more positively. I think I think we're owed that now, and we're used to it under the Brendan McCullum captaincy. And yeah, now we're seeing what he's doing for England. It's a little bit scary, actually, uh, for me, guy. To be perfectly honest, I. I sit back and I always try to judge these things at the end of a series, but at the end of a trend now, and I hope it has come to an end, we've lost our last six out of eight now in varying conditions across three countries. Yeah, look, I, I think um, limited overs-wise, I think the Black Caps will be OK, but test-wise, uh, this is massive cause for concern. Uh, obviously, thrashed by Australia and Australia in the test series that was just, you know, built as this massive opportunity for New Zealand to prove that they are the real deal. They then play their home summer last summer and get beaten by Bangladesh home. That's just completely unacceptable. The rest of the home summer was pretty average as well. And now they go to England and get swept 3-0. Um, look, it's nothing short of pathetic, really. It's very, very concerning. Um, and like Mark says, look, I don't think AJS Patel should be picked in every team. I think there are certainly times when you don't need a spinner, particularly in New Zealand conditions. And aside from his 10 wickets in the innings in India, which was one of New Zealand cricket's greatest moments, there are times when, when Patel doesn't do much in tests. But in saying that, uh, some unbelievable selection decisions in terms of not in terms of playing him at Lords, when Lords, we all know Lords doesn't really spin. Um, why did they play him there? And then they come here to Headingley, where it has spun in the past, and they play Michael Bracewell, who has, uh, uh, I think his first-class average with the ball is something like 50, um, over Ajaz Patel. I mean, it's just staggering that they can get that so wrong. Uh, so those are the two, th- th- you know, those are the issues for me. I worry about, um, yeah, where this test team is heading. I think we're, we're going to a pretty, pretty worrying time for the Black Caps in the next couple of years or so in the white ball, in the white uh, white clothing form of the game, I think, in terms of the, the white ball and the coloured clothing, I think they'll be OK. But, yeah, we might be in for a river rocky ride when it comes to, comes to test cricket for a wee while. Well, I think it's an attitudinal thing for, for me, Mark, and, and you're right, and, and Gary Stead, I'm not... I mean, Gary Stead has, has achieved a lot. Let's, let's not... Uh, you know, we've been... Yeah. Uh, he's taken us to what... Uh, we should have won the, the World Cup final in 2019. In fact, we never lost it, really, did we? We got to the T20 World Cup final against Australia in Indian conditions. We won the World Test Championship. I mean, it's not, but, but in terms of cricket success for a coach, that's pretty unparalleled by New Zealand standards. It's just a case, I think, of having to not so much change Gary Stead, but Gary Stead and Kane Williamson, for that matter, having to change themselves. Got to back themselves. You can't continue to play insurance batsmen uh, at number eight who bowl a few overs. And effectively, that's what they did in this test when they needed 20 wickets to win it. Yeah, look, I don't disagree. I think attitude's a big part of it, and it's something that Brendan McCullum's clearly um, 
for this England team, and we've seen how now they're just playing with some belief and playing with some freedom. Uh, look, I, I, I still always say it, man, and I'm lucky enough to have come from one of the hardest sports on the planet and sort of the endurance side of it. And when I see players who clearly have some talent not performing, then I do start to question application. I do start to question work ethic. Um, and part of that's a culture. Part of that's an expectation. And as I said, um, you know, I, I wasn't impressed by Kane Williamson playing in the IPL. I, I mean, if he's got a sore elbow um, and therefore you can't, play for long periods of time against Bangladesh or South Africa and New Zealand, but you conveniently come right to the IPL. I mean, best practice is not to play at all. Um, you know, you've got a test captain who really comes into this series well and truly underdone. Um, a series that I think is far more important to us winning than, you know, a lot of these one-day series, which just seem meaningless outside of the World Cup. And so I think all the players need to have a long, hard look at themselves. And I think we're allowed to ask some questions. I think you're 100% correct. Um, in regards to looking at Gary Stead um, and what he has achieved. A lot of people might say, look, he sort of inherited a pretty good culture and inherited a pretty good team, um, and his success has come sort of more on the, the sh- in the 50-over format. I-, I think we were lucky to get to that World Test Championship due to some results not being played due to COVID, but we did win it. But, yeah, it, it's about kicking on. It's about building. And, you know, it's about a vision. It's about where's this plan going forward. And, and I just don't see it at the moment. And it is concerning. Guy Havelt and Mark Watson have been our panellists this morning. Thank you much, uh, very much, gentlemen, for your uh, uh, your opinions on uh, those particular matters. Um, and we'll speak again uh, shortly. Look forward to this week in rugby, uh, gents. And um, we'll have another panel uh, this time tomorrow. When we come back, folks, I shall... Uh, we've had a number of texts come in and said, uh, Smithy, have you heard about um, the upcoming schedule for New Zealand cricket uh, with the black uh, caps and the white ferns? Yes, I have. In fact, I'll tell you about it after this. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.